everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 9 to 5 Faith Podcast. I am here with a fellow podcaster, Yvette Walker. How are you doing? I am well. I just got home from work, and I'm really happy to be talking to you. Yay, me too. And if if you're not watching the video version of this, she is like matching in like an amazing way <laughs> of like this like flaming red shirt and like these beautiful red fire engine glasses. And it's my I, signature color. Oh, is it? Oh, yes. I'm here for it. Well, I'm like wearing my like white t-shirt, you know. <laughs> and you have the red lipstick too. Oh. Yeah, I had to go put that red lipstick on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's very like Anna Wintour where she's like always with the black sunglasses and wears like the mm. black capes and whatnot, but it's like mm-hmm. pop in red. Thank you so much. It's wonderful. So uh, fellow pod- podcaster, you have a podcast called Positively Joy. Yes. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. Positively Joy was born during the pandemic when a lot mm-hmm. of other podcasts were born. I was actually going to uh, do a podcast on hair and beauty. Mm. I've been wanting to do it. And it always seemed like there was just always something hanging me up. It was too difficult. I don't know. But there I was at home, you know, very fortunate to be able to work from home. And I said, this cannot be that hard. I should be able to figure out the software. And I did. I said, okay, good. I'm going to start this podcast. And then God said, yeah, you're going to start a podcast, but it's not going to be on hair. It's going to be on joy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, Lord, because that's what you say to God. Yeah. But I really didn't know what he wanted me to talk about other than joy. And I didn't understand where it was coming from. Um, and it's funny because the name did not get picked until after like episode one or two. If you go back to like way back, because I've done about <laughs> 200 episodes now, if you go way back to episode number one, you will hear me say, welcome to the Finding Joy podcast. Mm. But then I realized very quickly that there's a million shows that are either called Finding Joy or Find Joy or something like that. And I said, no, we've got to pick a different name. And I know we're going to talk a little bit later about me being a former journalist. I work at an, uh, I'm an educator now, but um, in my mind, the Lord gave me this, this name, Positively Joy. And I said, no, Lord, that's not grammatically correct. Because <laughs> I am a bit of a word nerd. Um, but that's what he said. And so I said, well, okay, we're going to do it. And it's funny because a lot of people think it's funny or they think it's catchy or whatever. So, right. you know, don't question God. <laughs> yeah. I I, I kind of got hung up on it a little bit when I was like repeating it back to you. I was like, it's not positive joy it's positively joy, which is also really interesting. I can go on a little showboat here, but like, I like that approach because a lot of people assume joy means happiness Mm -hmm. and like adding the positively in front of it helps kind of reframe that mindset. At least for me, it does. I I think it makes you kind of pause for a minute. Because this, after I had been doing this for a while, he began to reveal to me, you know, really what he, what I feel like he was wanting me to communicate. And that's just what you said, that the Mm. true joy of the father is not how you feel. Right. In fact, it's joy is not a feeling, it's faith. Mm. And we can be walking in the valley. We can be in a bad spot. You know, he never told us that we were going to live 
pain-free or fear-free or anything like that. But, but he guaranteed, he promised us that he would be with us mm-hmm. no matter where we are. And so we can find joy in that. And yes, I definitely, you know, people think joy is happy, uh, being content. There's a level of happiness and, and contentness, I think, when you realize that he's with you, even mm. though your life has blown up, you know, right. and, and I definitely want to point out that I'm not, I am not belittling or I'm not uh, minimizing people's mm. pain, but, right. but, but we do, I mean, this happens. We do have things that go wrong in our life. We're very fortunate if we don't have something to go wrong. Um, but often he's working in us during those times. Mm-hmm. And there's a level, you know, there's a level of joy I think we can take with us. And so that's what we try to um, come, you know, to, to put out there in the ether uh, through the show. It's an interview, mostly interview show, because I mm-hmm. love talking with people. Yeah. And, um, you know, we tell some really great stories. Um, some stories are like big and tragic and other stories are not because that's Mm. another thing I realized as far as testimonies, you know, we, 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 we play the compare game too much, especially when it comes to our testimonies. I know I did. And, you know, for a long time, I was like feeling imposter syndrome saying, Lord, my story isn't as interesting or big as the person who lost a family member, but was able to come back or the person who, you know, suffered, uh, an, an, an accident was able to, to, to still love you. You know, but that's not my testimony, but all our testimonies are so important. There's something mm-hmm. to learn in every single one of our stories because we're all unique and he made us that way. Yeah. Gosh, I love that. So let's talk a little bit about you because I could talk about joy and the Lord's s- sovereign nature all day long. Um, but <laughs> you're an educator, former Mm -hmm. journalist. Yes. So let's like talk about like what you're currently doing. And then like, I want to go into it. (laughs) Okay. Well, I am, you know, I'm probably more of an administrator now, but I do teach. Okay. Um, and I love teaching. I teach intro to media. I work, I actually work at a journalism college. So, you know, I couldn't get, I couldn't get too far away (laughs) because I love journalism. It's what I've done my entire career. So I work at a journalism college where I'm, you know, like I said, my main job is administrator, but I do teach the intro class and I also teach journalism ethics. And I love that, love Mm. that. Um, Because some people might argue there's no ethics in journalism. You know, that's kind of like a, you know, kind of like a joke, but I mean, there's lots of things that we do think about. Right. Um, So I, 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 yes, I, I'm doing that now and it's, it's heartens me. I feel great to know that there's all these young people who want to do this. Mm. they want to go to school for this. They want to write stories. They want to report stories. Um, they want to serve as the watchdog for, you know, for citizens, mm-hmm. for readers. I mean, all that good stuff. The reason why I got into it, they still want that. So that's yeah. really exciting. That's like a really unique term that I've never considered before. Cause I was a comms major, but like a watchdog. Oh yeah. Most journalists who get into this, they want to, and it's not like we're trying to say gotcha on people, but we want, we want to be able to report stories to help you live your best life. Mm -hmm. We want you to know what's going on in your neighborhood, in your community. We want Mm -hmm. you to know that they're putting the Walmart in down the street. And if you don't like that, you can go to the city council or city planning meeting. You know, we want you to know that we can, 
we can get copies of police reports. You can too, by the way, but you just don't know how to do it. Everybody, you know, there's a certain, yeah. you know, we have rights to these things, but most people yeah. don't know. So we can get the copy of the court transcripts and we can get the copy of the police report and give you information mm -hmm. that many, many, many cases, people don't know they can do that. So yeah, the watchdog term is a term that I think a lot of journalists, they kind of fell in love with yeah. journalism for that reason. Yeah. And I feel like it's so fitting to, you know, whatever your opinion is of current journalism and news reporting and whatever is out there. I feel like watchdog is the ideal, I guess, is terms and how we want to be thinking about journalism. So that's really yeah. interesting. So you former journalist, let's talk yeah. about that. How did you, how did you start in that? How did you jump into that? Mm -hmm. And then also we're going to get into like where you found God in that. Right. Right. Well, you know, like I think a lot of journalists, um, I like to write. I've always liked to write. Um, when I was a little girl, I mean, you know, I called myself a word nerd a minute ago when <laughs> I was a little girl, I would read the encyclopedia I would read the, you know, there's like dictionaries that come with the encyclopedia. I would right. like read those dictionaries. <laughs> um, I would, I would create many newspapers and I write like my own comic strips and like put headlines on there. I mean, just, you know, as nerdy as can be. Um, I just always knew that I wanted to do something like that. And then, yeah. you know, as I continued to grow up and I realized, oh yeah, I can actually, you know, major in that and, you know, get a job in that. And so I, I think from the, from very, very early on, I knew that I wanted to do something like that. And um, so I worked on the high school newspaper and yearbook, of course. Um, then I went to college. I went to a college known for its journalism, um, did internships while I was in college. I did internships, summer internships uh, at the um, Muskegon mm -hmm. Chronicle in Muskegon, Michigan. And then the Yonkers Statesman, I think that's the name of it. Herald Statesman. I'm sorry if there's people in Yonkers listening or watching. <laughs> um, I, I used to, I should know that. I, sh I should know the name of that newspaper. Um, I did that and um, then graduated. And my first job out was at a newspaper in Gary, Indiana. So that was pretty much been my career. Mm -hmm. But I will say this, there were some of those experiences in college that I wanted to do. Like I wanted to backpack across Europe or some of those things. And I was on a, I was on a track. So I had to, you know, do this and, right. um, and get the experience that I needed. So by the time that I graduated, I knew that I would have a, have a job waiting for me now where God came in at the very beginning. Yeah. So I was raised Catholic. So no matter what you feel about that, I was raised Catholic and went to church, uh, every Sunday I went to Catholic elementary school and Catholic high school. And, um, I mean, I thought about whether or not I wanted to go to Catholic college, but, you know, again, journalism was driving me in that decision. Um, grew up in Chicago. And when I was very young, um, I would spend a lot of time in church. I mean, church was like a solace place for me. Like mm -hmm. I could just go and sit down yeah. and just be with God. And we would talk and I felt like I could hear him. And um, so, yeah, no, it was great. I loved being at church, loved being at church. Then you get older, you start getting involved in, well, what am I going to do? And where am I going to go to college and boyfriends and all that? And I felt like I was, you know, getting more into the world because that's kind of what happens. Right. Still went to church, 
never stopped believing, but I felt like I was getting maybe farther and farther away from him mm -hmm. and until I couldn't hear his voice anymore. Mm. And I don't think I even realized that until many years later. And when it kind of hit me, I said, I can't hear him anymore. And then that took me down another path that we can get into later. Um, so yeah, no, God was there at the very beginning, but journalism was too. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And, and I think, I don't know if it's unique to people who are writers and whatnot, because I, I am also a writer and I remember like the bookstore, like the children's bookstore being like one of my favorite places to go. Yeah. And I would write authors, like authors of children's books, like when I was a kid and I probably have the letters somewhere, but it is ingrained in you. Like it is <laughs> very core to who you are. So I definitely resonate with that. So when you were working in journalism and um, what were some of the struggles and some of the conflicts that you had, if any, with your faith coming into play into the workplace? Yeah. So it's so interesting. And I'm going to answer your question, but I just wanted to tell you that I, I find the whole concept of journalists and their faith so interesting that I just started a new podcast. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to say just last year called journalists advancing ministry. Mm -hmm. And the day we're talking, uh, I just dropped a new episode. Basically I'm finding that there are journalists who have moved into ministry in some way. Yeah. I find that so fascinating because when I was in journalism, um, they're very much separate things. Your faith is separate than your job. Right. Um, when I was growing up, you know, and I was in Chicago and I'm in Oklahoma now, I feel like it's easier to talk about God in Oklahoma for some reason. Right. Um, but in other places I've worked, you know, you kind of didn't do that. So I, here I was young reporter covering police. Cause that's, pretty much the first beat they give you, mm. um, either, either police or education. I don't know why, because it's a very, it's been well. And I say that because it's a very important, uh, concentration. People need to know what they're yeah. doing and they give it to the brand new person. Um, but you know, but I, I saw people, I didn't see people getting killed, but I saw dead people. I saw bodies. I had to right. cover murders. I had to, I had to cover a serial killer. Mm. Um, I did have to cover, um, a courtroom proceeding of someone who had killed someone. Mm -hmm. And, um, I do think that, and, and I, like I said, I just talked to someone in the episode that I dropped today and I said, you know, what do you think, how'd that affect you? And he had covered a murder and he said, one of my coworkers very kindly asked me if I was okay. And he says, you know, I was okay. And I'm not sure if it's because I knew Jesus or, or if it was because I just, I was a crusty old reporter. Um, but I think it was because I knew Jesus yeah. um, because I was okay. And when I didn't, that when the day came that I wasn't okay, where I feel like I was allowing myself to become numb to this kind of work, I left mm. and I moved to a different, I moved to a different newspaper and I got a different job. I became a copy editor um, instead of a police reporter. Because I saw something happening and I'm like, yeah. you're too, you're too young. I mean, I was just 25. You're too young to be cold and jaded. And I feel right. like I was beginning to get that way. And I don't think God wanted me that way either. So, right. but I quit that job and, and went to a different newspaper. Yeah. So let's dig into that. Cause I'm curious of, 
is that the solution? Because ideally we have, you know, workplaces filled with Christians and, you know, someone's got to do the job. So how, you, you know what I mean? Not to like, not to shove off your experience or anything like that or mm-hmm. invalidate it. I, I hear you and leaving toxic environments is very important and something I'm very passionate about, but how do we find or create workplaces mm-hmm. that we're able to balance both things at once? So I think that at this time, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, this is, this is my first job. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a young woman, right? So this is yeah. at that time. So this is my first job. I'm away from home. I've got friends that I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not too far from home. I mean, it's, you know, I'm in Chicago and Gary, Indiana is not too far, but you know, I'm living on my own. And, um, and whenever you move to a different new job, a new city, you're finding a new church home. And right. so it could have been, that I wasn't fully involved in a, in a church home at that time. Maybe I didn't have the support. I don't know. I mean, every time I moved, you have to find a new church home. And sometimes I was very successful about finding one. Um, and then sometimes I was not like when I went from Gary to Dallas, I was very successful in finding a church home. I, I mean, I'm still very good friends with Mm. my church pals from when I was in Dallas. And so I I think it just kind of depends at that time. As I look back, perhaps, um, you know, whenever, whenever there's a difficult time, I'm going to say I wasn't leaning on God enough. Mm. And so I'm thinking perhaps that was, and and I think it kind of snuck up on me too. Mm. Um, with, with the serial killer, it was a man and a woman Mm. who were kidnapping, uh, young women. And in this case, they came to Northwest Indiana and they kidnapped and killed two women. Uh, this one young woman, and really, I shouldn't even say young woman. She was a girl. Mm. Um, for some reason, I always thought they were going to find her and she was going to be okay. Oh, they're going to find her. She's going to be okay. But then when they didn't, or they found her and she wasn't mm-hmm. okay, that kind of rocked me to my core in a way that I didn't expect. Yeah. And then the very next story that I covered was the murder of a Bible school teacher. And it just, again, that just rocked me. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to, I need to go now. Should I have stayed? Should I have found a way to work on that? Should I have talked to, you know, to a minister or a pastor, gotten some counseling? You have to remember though, in journalism, you either stay one place like a long, long time and you, and you work your way up to the top or you move around Okay. And, and continue that climb. Yeah. And so for me, I moved around okay. a lot to find new opportunities and to try to climb as high as I was going to climb. And so um, that wasn't the last time I left the paper to, for another opportunity. Right. But I very, I strongly remember that those two stories were like, mm-hmm. I'm too young to feel like this. Yeah. Where am I going to be when I'm 40 working, you know, working in the media? Yeah. So, yeah. For sure. For me, and for me, I, I feel like it was a good, I know. I, and I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I don't I expect like you to have the answer and I yeah. don't have the answer either. Yeah. I just, I just like to kind of push on these things because I'm like, yeah. these are like, like real questions that we yeah. gotta, we gotta face as, as Christ followers. Absolutely. And, and, but I would say anytime I was in a situation where it was tough, I would say, 
I wasn't leaning on God enough. Yeah. And I, and now, and now I, I actively seek the opportunity to lean on him. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, you know, I was, even though by the time I was 25, I'd been in church all my life, but I, I would say I wasn't mature in my faith yet mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. And, and as you were talking, I was like, okay, like community, like what you have created this community with your podcasts of journalists who are also, you know, Christ followers and stepping into maybe ministry roles. Is that potentially a solution to that problem of, you know, being kind of torn down from a job that you're trying to do objectively, but you're also a Christian. Perhaps, you know, that's one thing that I think we do wrestle with because we are, you know, the, the traditional teaching is you're supposed to be objective and provide all sides of the stories. Right. Um, And you're not supposed to bring your own point of view into the story. Now we all know that there's lots of different kinds of journalism that does that analysis, uh, advocacy journalism, solutions journalism. You know, there's there's lots of journalism where we understand that we are looking for a point of view or a solution. Right. But tra- but traditional, traditional kind of hard news journalists, we don't do that. And, right. and since that's what I did for a lot of my career, I felt like I had to keep that part of me, a you know, asleep while I was on the job. Mm. But I mean, as far as who I am. And encouraging people and building up people and just trying to be like Jesus. I mean, I'm always going to do that, <laughs> but does that translate right. into the work? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that's, I, I have find, found that to be interesting. Yeah. When I found myself in, in jobs and roles where I might have to shut down that piece of myself, I always found it like even more difficult to kind of like step back into the glory of God, I guess. Like it's, it's hard to turn off a switch and then actually get it back on. I think of like a power breaker that like the, the the power breaker (laughs) flips and it doesn't want to go back on. Did you ever find yourself in that kind of situation? And like, how did you get through it? Well, um, I would say the next time I began to want to wrestle with things. It was in when I was in more of a, more of a management role mm. where I had responsibility for what was on the front page. Um, and again, wanting to make sure that I was objective and I was doing that. I mean, there weren't, there weren't stories per se. Like I, like I didn't have to make a decision about keeping a story about religion off the front page. That That's not what I'm talking about. Right. But just talking about like, for example, uh, in one newspaper I, I, I worked at, uh, there was a, there was a little girl that had been kidnapped and they were trying to find her and they found her body. And we, as journalists, we talk about how to gently tell these stories because we are writing for a mass audience right. and, you know, we're editing for mass audience. We're presenting the way the, the way the design looks, it's all for a mass audience. And so we're trying mm-hmm. to be gentle about that. And I guess I would say that in my faith, I, I definitely would want to, you know, be able to tell the story, but do so in a kind and let's say Christian way right? Um, to be able to do that. And so while I probably wouldn't have those conversations 
necessarily, that's what it would be in my mind because it makes up who I am. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's bring it back to the present. You're interfacing with students. Are you guys in person or you teach online? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, so sometimes we, sometimes we teach online, but we're in person. We're back. Okay. Oh, that's so exciting. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like that like opens up a whole other realm too. What does your faith look like with your current role and, and how you you're teaching ethics, journalistic ethics, <laughs> yeah. you know, how one, how do you balance the two? And also like, how are you able to like, I guess, speak into the next generation of journalists that'll be out there? Well, I mean, I work at a public university. There's lots of different kinds of people. So I, you know, I, I don't bring, I don't bring my faith on the, on the stage as, except to say it's part of who I am. Right. Um, So when I, so in the ethics class is interesting because a lot of ethical principles are based on um, Judeo-Christian societal principles. I mean, that's yeah. what made up this country. So, you know, a lot of that, I mean, basically I just try to stick to the facts. I mean, I do, I do. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about morals and values, you know, you do have to reach into yourself and I tell them to reach into whatever makes, makes up, you know, them and, and try and try to think, uh, what do you think is the right decision here? What do you think is is the best thing to do? How does it make you feel? Because there is a, there's a little bit of a gut check that you can right. take, and and that's and that's that itself is actually part of a societal or not a societal, but part of uh, an ethical principle. It's by Cicela Bach. Mm. She has a three step way to look at things before you make a decision. Um, check your conscience. I call it a gut check. Yeah. Then talk to somebody you trust. And then if you have time or if you can take the conversation to like a larger, uh, a larger uh, conversation with stakeholders, with people mm-hmm. who have, who have something invested in the situation. Um, but it starts with doing a gut check. And for me, you know, my gut check is going to, my faith's going to be in there somewhere. And it might be in there with my students too. You know, right. I don't talk about faith in the classroom. But, you know, but it's, it's part of who you are. The funny thing is I'm very active in my community church Mm. and a lot of my students go to that church. So I'll be serving and they'll go, Oh, Dean Walker. Hi. So, and they, they, they they get a kick out of seeing me there. That's awesome. And that was going to be my next question of like, what does your faith look like kind of outside of everything? And also like, kind of want to step back a little bit because I, I, I only ask this question because I think it's like good for context for the listeners to be able to see themselves in your shoes of like, are you married? Do you have kids? Like, what does Mm -hmm. that look like? Because also I don't have kids, but I am married. So like my daily life might look radically different than someone who has, you know, four kids, for example. Absolutely. I am married uh, and uh, we do not have children, but we have two fur kids. A black lab and a and a big cat so um, that both shed way too much. <laughs> um, we're both we're we're both active in our church. Mm-hmm. Um, we both serve. Um, I have taken on a, a a leadership role in my serving area. I just I always do. Like if if I go to church and I start ser- serving, I'm just gonna do it. You know right. because that's just who I am. Yeah. Um, there's another. You know so. 
where we live now, which is where the university is, before that, I was living in another city nearby and I was going to that, you know, another church that I still hold very near and dear. And, and sometimes I will attend that other church too. Um, and I'm a lector there. So I'll read the word at this other church just because I still love that church. And, yeah. um, and I, and I love reading the word. And so sometimes what a Sunday morning, I might go to do two services. We'll see, you never know. Right. Um, but I primarily spend most of my time in town and, um, you know, I love, I love serving. I love, um, helping people. I'm at the, we call it the get to know desk. So it's basically the info gotcha. desk, helping people kind of get situated, knowing what to do, helping them sign up for baptism, which is always awesome. Um, and one of the special things I get to do is if they, if they find salvation and service, then they'll come over and then, you know, we'll pray. And I give them a Bible. Mm. And so that's pretty awesome. That is awesome. So <laughs> your wife, uh, educator and slash administrator. Um, <laughs> you're running two podcasts. You're also a writer on the side. You got your own book projects. How do you make sure that you find time with God? That's a really good question. And I, I tell other people how to find time with God. And sometimes I need to take my own advice Yeah, because I will tell you this, the fact that I don't have children make me, make it possible for me to do a lot of the things that I am doing. Cause I realize it's a lot. Right. And I very much appreciate the moms out there who, who have, who don't have as much time perhaps as I do. Um, but, um, but I still need to make time. And so right now, um, you know, but there's, there's, there's different ways of spending time with God. So there's, right. you know, there's reading the Bible, obviously really important right now. I'm doing a Bible plan. Um, the Bible project, has yeah. a, has a plan on new version. Mm -hmm. It's a Bi Bible in a year plan. Yeah. They're so great. I've been, yeah, really, really great. I love, I love, I love Bible project and all their videos and their videos mm -hmm. are interspersed with the readings. It's yeah. awesome. I suggest yeah, they're great. that. So right now that's what I'm doing and that's great, but that's, that is not the same thing as taking a minute, go sit in my chair and I could take the Bible there, or I could take another book and just commune with him, mm. turn off everything and just sit with God. And I will be honest with you that I haven't done that as much lately with all the projects as yeah. I would want to do. And as I counsel people to do. Yeah. So that is something that I am, you know, reminding myself, right. You know, just turn everything off and just go sit in that chair and just be with him. Yeah. And I think, I think too, that was like, you just answered my next question, which was like, what is the biggest struggle when it comes to practicing your faith? And I think I, I include that question because I want people to realize like, we're not all perfect. We mm -hmm. don't all have it together. And in very seriousness, like I struggle, like I struggle with quiet time, like, like yeah. not just like, Oh, this is my one-on-one -on -one quiet time, which like, silence. Mm -hmm. I love being surrounded by noise. I love music or the TV on or a podcast on. Like I always love to be surrounded by noise. And so like absolute quiet is like what I really struggle with. And I don't want anyone listening to this and be like, oh man, like I, I can't do that. Or like, you know, my faith doesn't look like that. Cause guess what? None of us actually have it all together. 
You're absolutely right. We don't. <laughs> and that goes back to that imposter syndrome. Don't feel like you have to have it. And there's so many different ways to do it. Um, it's okay. I'm like you. I like to be surrounded by it a lot. I mean, I, I basically grew up in newsrooms. I mean, it's yeah. busy. It's, it's crowded. It's, it's, you know, and now I'm with students who are always, you know, talking. So I'm very used to being around a lot of things and, and finding quiet time or even being in quiet. It feels strange. It's like, this isn't normal. Like, right. what is this? And we have to, we have to find quiet if we expect to hear his voice. Mm-hmm. So, um, I will say the pandemic in a lot of weird ways allowed that quiet back into my life. Yeah. I re- I remember, and I wrote about this. I remember being in, in the house, I was sitting in the dining room and I heard noise and I was like, the birds are so loud. <laughs> I mean, I remember saying that, why are they so, well, they weren't loud. I just hadn't been listening before. Mm. You know, so things like that, I mean, just, there were a lot of, there was a lot of revelation in COVID. And I just, again, I do not want to minimize people lost people, right? People still have long COVID. I mean, yes, that it was, it was very difficult time for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but there were other things that happened too. Yeah. That happened to me. And so the, um, the beginning of the book came from that time. He was just, he was giving me a lot of things to think about and, and to write again. I remember that just one day when the birds were just so loud and I just thought, well, something was weird. Like what's going on? No, they're not weird. You're weird. (laughs) You haven't (laughs) been listening. Um, and so I, I agree with you turning things off. Um, and same thing at night when you go to sleep, just turning off your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, I do listen. That's when I do listen to my Bible plan at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and sometimes in the morning there's another, uh, it's not, it's not a U version plan, but it's called Lectio 365, mm-hmm. which is a year long, wonderful, um, audio app that I yeah. also very much enjoy. Um, but I've also tried something called centering prayer where you're not really praying, but you're trying to have just complete silence in your mind and become silent so that you can open your mind to his prompting. Yeah. That is something else that I think is really important that we need to open ourselves to his prompting. Yeah. And what you said about the birds, I'm just like, I'm going to have to chew on that for a while because like, isn't that true of like our relationship with God and how we listen to God Mm-hmm. It's like, isn't his voice so loud? No, you just haven't been listening for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that is why. So the, <laughs> so the first book that came out, is called whispering in his ear mm-hmm. and it could have well been whispering in my ear. I really could have right. changed it because I, I thought that he had stopped talking to me mm-hmm. when of course that wasn't true at all. I had just stopped listening or forgotten how to listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing I do like to to kind of associate, especially with like younger believers and who are kind of trying to find their footing in everything. I always say, think about your relationship with your best friend. What do you do with them? Do you sit with them? Do you talk with them? Do you hang out with them? Mm -hmm. Do you learn about them? Do you do things that the other person likes? Do you do things that you like with them? And that is how your relationship with that person deepens. Now, are you doing with that with God? 
Yeah. You know, because really that's good. how we have relationship with God is we get to sit and do those things together and learn about him through mm-hmm. scripture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's always the Mary Martha comparison. Yeah. And, you know, so many of us, we're the Marthas. We're running around trying to get stuff done when in fact we want to be the Marys. Yeah, for sure. And what you said about kind of the pandemic and everything, I've had a similar experience to what you had of like, and, and again, with the caveat, I understand it was hard for a lot of people. I do have, um, acquaintances who passed away during the, that period and it is hard and it is troubling. Mm -hmm. Also, I got a lot of blessings out of it. Um, especially, you know, not having kids and me and my husband being held, like held up in our, in our house for, you know, months on end. I'm like, when else would I be able to have this time with him? Mm -hmm. Like when else that there's no, there's no chance that that would look maybe when we're retired, but also I'm like 60 years away from that. Right. (laughs) Like, and, and so, you know, I always like to say, um, kind of counter to people who say like, God makes everything happen for a reason. I kind of hate that saying. And I'm like, no, God can make a reason happen out of everything. Mm, I like that because if you say God makes, you know, there's a reason for everything or if God makes everything happen for a reason, you, you think God is, you know, like the puppet master. And then you're like, well, why is everything bad happening? Whereas like God can make a reason out of everything that happens Mm. that's that he gets to restore it and he gets to bring life back into it. So when I think of like the pandemic and everything, did God cause that to happen? probably not like I don't I don't want to speak on behalf of God but right like they're like we're human sinful factors going on maybe probably but was he able to redeem relationships with himself relationships with spouses relationships you know with kids throughout that whole thing Mm -hmm. absolutely that's the coolest thing about God yeah no I totally agree um, I like your, your, the way you've turned around that expression, because mm-hmm. I think that makes, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. And, um, we find ourselves in a lot of different situations and, you know, we do have free will Yeah, and we can go one way or the other, um, or the other way or the other way. And, um, but if we allow him to mm-hmm. do what he does, what only he can do. Um, he can, yeah, he can just change situations and turn things that were bad into good. Um, and all, and all of that. And I just think that we have to trust him. And as I said, open yourself. So when I, when I say open yourself, I encourage people, and I mentioned this in the book, I encourage people to pay attention to the little things, Mm. um, to, to question to question things like, you know, I don't believe in coincidences, just me personally. I don't believe in coincidences. I do. I do think, think that things happen and maybe it's not for a reason, but you can, but you can take whatever that is and do something with it. Yeah. Um, so one example that I talk about in the book is I was getting ready for this very busy day. I had these two back-to-back events and I had prepared. I had like all my, taking my clothes with me because I wasn't going to be able to come back home. 
everything organized, ready for me to just take and go in the car, right? So I'm in the car. I'm about a mile away when I realized I'd forgotten a bag. I mean, how is that possible? <laughs> I had, everything was there. And so that meant I had to make a decision. I missed the first, the first thing or go back, go back really quick and try to get to the first thing. I'd be late, but I could probably still make it. So as I'm thinking about this, I just happen to look over to my driver's side seat and there's a, there's two letters sitting in the, in the seat. Now I'd written these letters about a week ago. I was supposed to mail them. Speaking of journalism, this was during the time during the, the wildfires in Australia mm-hmm. and journalism, the journalism world said, Hey, let's all write these, these encouraging, mm-hmm. inspirational letters to these Australian journalists that were working so hard. Yeah. So I wrote these two letters and of course mine were faith filled and, um, I just had forgotten to mail them. So in that moment, I made the decision. I said, okay, I can go home, get this bag that I missed, go to the post office. I'll just make it and miss the first event, but I can, I can, it was a woman speaking at a, at a women's breakfast that I really wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. I can hear her again and then make my, then make the second event. And this, I'll never know. There's no way that I'll ever know whether or not those letters made an impact or touched someone. I mean, there's just no way for me to know. Right. But I just think he wanted me to go to the post office. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. I, I love that. I, I actually had a very similar, not similar, but a similar way. And like, it was just like a little thing mm-hmm. that like God kind of like planted in, in my life last week. So there's been a lot of talk like on the socials about like women in church as pastors and whatnot. Mm. I'm not going to comment on that. I'm just saying <laughs> there's been a lot of chatter in Christian social um, that I've been following and it's caused me to just not question my faith, but like reanalyze like, okay, like what do I believe? Why do I believe it? Blah, blah, blah. And then I've been, I was just like, you know, kind of going through it and just praying like, Hey God, like, you know, show me what you want. Like, show me your truth in all of this. And then I volunteered at church on Saturday and guess what the sermon was about? <laughs> tell me, tell me. It. it was wonderful. It was about, oh my gosh. It was probably about the large part, the large, the large role that women played Yes. And in, I'm like, in the oh early my gosh. church, right? Oh my gosh. I'm so blanking on the name. I'm so bad with names too. Women played a it was, role. Yeah. I'm Googling it right now because okay. clearly I hear, I was like, yeah, it's Deborah. It was about Deborah. Okay. Um, I was like, I know what Bible verse it came out of, but the name D's have been hard for me today. That's the second time <laughs> that I couldn't remember what a daffodil was called earlier today. It w- I was going to call it a uh, dandelion. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. It is. Thank goodness it is Friday. Anyways, so it was about Deborah. Um, mm-hmm. And just, you know, that we have a big idea every Sunday or every church weekend. And it was that God can use him and her. And, mm. and while it didn't give me like a specific answer, it was just God's little breadcrumb of like, Hey, I'm listening to you. And like, mm-hmm. 
here's something that you can, you know, in scripture that you can go to. So yeah, it was just those little things. And in that moment, I I don't know, I have a journal somewhere. And in that moment, I like opened my journal and I was like, I need to write these things down. Just these little breadcrumbs of like where we see God's presence in our life. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, and, And he drops those, you know, things, um, you know, the idea of, you know, coincidences and things being random. I mean, we can look at it that way, but I think that if we allow ourselves to see how he is moving in our life, then for me, the idea of a coincidence just becomes something that is less believable for me. Yeah. Yeah. And you might, you might come in contact with this, especially working with like college aged kids But one thing I really struggled with when I was in college was like God's plan for my life, right? Like that was Mm -hmm. like, what was God's plan? What does he want me to do? And I hit a point where I was just, I don't, I must've read it or something, but it was the reality of there's nothing you can do to screw up God's plan. Like you're (laughs) not that important kind of thing. And it was just like this really specific moment of truth where I was like, there is nothing that I can do to screw up God's plan. So if I choose road, if I, if I become a nurse, which not going to happen, if I become a nurse or I become a journalist, like God is going to use me in whatever I decide I'm going to do. While he might have anointed some of us to be in specific positions, there's not a decision I can make that's going to screw up God's plan. And that is a wonderful feeling. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You can maybe delay it a little bit, but you're not going to totally screw it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is, it is all in his hands. And absolutely, the fact that we don't have to worry about that, that's, you know, pretty dang nice. That's true. And, and, then, and-, and then when you, then when you are older like me and you go back and you look and you're like, that's really interesting. He, so, so for example, uh, one of the, one of the internships I told you about when I was in Muskegon, Michigan, uh, my roommate, I didn't know her, my roommate that they put me with, she turned me on to contemporary Christian music. Mm. I didn't, I didn't know about it before. Mm. And, and that has been, you know, a, a lifelong love of yeah. Christian music now. Right. Yeah. I mean, just little things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, for sure. And yeah, just thinking of the individuals that you are talking to and interfacing with, especially like in the newsroom or at work, kind of bringing it full circle when we're at work and we might miss an opportunity uh, for whatever reason, or the situation might not be like, I guess, the most appropriate for today's workplace, I guess is the best way I can say it. Mm-hmm. We still have to trust that God is going to work through it. Even if we don't take advantage of an opportunity or mm-hmm. if we don't move in the way he chooses to use us. And yeah. so I think, I think if we have that mentality and that can apply it to the workplace, right. We don't, we want to yield to the, the guidance and the leanings of the Holy spirit, but also like, don't beat yourself up about it because God's sovereign and bigger than you are. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, and it doesn't have to be that complicated. I mean, in fact, it can be very simple. If we just go back to the 10 commandments, 
don't lie, don't covet. Hmm. You know, just those two things. Be nice people. I am wildly paraphrasing. Um, can <laughs> can change can change a culture in an yeah. office. Hmm. So can just, change the culture of the world. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you don't have to. You don't have to feel like you have to proselytize in the office. You just have to, you know, what would Jesus do? Have some, what would Jesus do moments and, you know, and just be the kind of person yeah. to try to be like, Jesus. I, I just, I posted something. Let me see if I can find it really quick uh, on Facebook the other day. And it was like, it was a, <laughs> it was a, uh, a list of things that Jesus would do. And it was like, I want to be like Jesus because he would do all these things. So let me just call it up real yeah. quick. Yeah. Because uh, it's like, yeah, he would do all those things. Yeah. Um, while, while you're pulling it up, that's uh-huh. one thing that I specifically try kind of to go the extra mile, not into showboat my faith, but when I encounter people who probably have a crappy job, like, let's be real. The specific one that I do is TSA agents. They mm-hmm. have to deal with yeah. everyone who's traveling and they probably yeah. have to deal with the ugliest people. Yeah. And so I always try to be above and beyond nice mm-hmm. to TSA agents because mm-hmm. guess what? That might be the only light in their day. I completely agree. I completely, yeah. I found it. All so right, this, let's get this list. This year, I want to be more like Jesus. Number one, hang out with sinners. Number two, upset religious people. <laughs> Number three, tell stories that make people think. Mm. Ah, journalism. Oof. Number four, choose unpopular friends. <laughs> Number five, be kind, loving, and merciful. And mm. number six, take naps on boats. I do want to do that more. <laughs> Take, I, I'm going to, I'm going to add like a number seven and it's just like, go away for 40 days and not talk to anyone. <laughs> All right. I can use a little bit of that in my life. And I'm sure if we have any moms or dads listening, they, they that sounds pretty nice a little bit to <laughs> not hear mom, mom, mom all the time. Mm-hmm. So I hope I didn't, you know, bury the lead here with what you're going to finish out with, but what is one thing that our listeners can do to implement a faith building discipline or practice into their life? Mm. And this is part of the, I need to listen myself to what I'm telling you, right? Because we don't always do things. It's okay. So you have to make your faith a habit. Mm. You have to create a habit. And I actually have a free resource to talk about this. Just go to positivelyjoy.com and you'll see like a little booklet called Bigger, Better Faith. And the idea is that you create that habit. So that means that you find time in that in your day. Either that means getting up earlier or doing it in the evening, um, finding your time, finding a place. So a wonderful woman, I know, uh, she, and actually she has a new book out. Her name is Mary Jo Pierce. But mm. the first book I read from her was called Adventures in Prayer. And she talked about creating this place in her house. Now, for, for some people, it's a chair in a corner because that's all you have. For other people, you can have a whole prayer room. Sometimes it's a closet. But you have a specific place that you go to spend time communing with God. So you mm. find your time, you find your place. And then you, and then you, uh, you, you make choices that you're going to do this and it becomes a faithful habit. Um, 
I would like to say that, yes, we want to do, of course we will, we will do this every day because we want to do it because we love Jesus. We love God and things get in the way, right? Yeah. So if we just know, I mean, even put it on your calendar, I mean, just create a faithful habit. Yeah. And so if people would like to get that free resource, it's there, but if nothing we'll link else it in the show notes as well, yeah, but if nothing else, I think just think about it as this is something I get to do every day. And again, I'm speaking to me, I'm speaking to me because I'm talking to you now. I've got an interview later on tonight for my, for my show. So we're yeah. busy. We're doing stuff. I know I'm going to listen to the Bible project Bible in a year tonight. I know that. But beyond that, I, you know, why wouldn't I want to spend, you know, even if it's 15 minutes with my Lord, why, I mean, why wouldn't I want to, oh my goodness, I get to do that. Right. You get to, mm-hmm. oh, that like, I'm like almost <laughs> crying right now. I know it doesn't sound like it to anyone who's listening. Um, I laugh when I cry, but like, oh, we get to be. Yeah in God's presence. Yeah. We are so, I mean, and I know you probably have listeners all over the world, but in this country, we are so fortunate to be able to have, you know, to be able to do that. So uh, look forward to it. Like, just like you said to, when you're talking to young people, you know, you're going to spend time with your friend. Yeah. or, or your daddy. I mean, I know people who call, they don't, they, they don't say God, they say, they call him Papa. Yeah. They call him, they call him Abba. Mm-hmm. You get a chance to spend some time with your, with your, with, with your, your father or your friend. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I need to like take a deep breath. Cause that is like laying heavy on me, Yvette, but thank you for sharing that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that is like an awesome thing to kind of end on here. So we will link to that resource in the show notes, but where else can people find you? If they want to get in touch, they want to follow you. They want to re uh, listen to one of the podcasts out there or both of them. Let's Mm -hmm. listen to both of them guys. Where can they find you? So the one-stop shop is positivelyjoy.com. You can find me on Facebook and mostly Facebook and Instagram. I am on TikTok. I haven't, I don't have as much content up there. Um, and you usually will find me under positively joy podcast, but on Facebook, I do have a community. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's a group. It's called, it's called the positively joy community where we do life together. And, you know, I, we encourage each other. So I encourage you to go ahead and, and become a member of that. I also have a newsletter, which you can also find about, find out about at all those different places. Um, newsletters come out every Wednesday and we talk about just all different kinds of things. Um, so yeah, so you you can get to the podcast that way. You can, you can find out my books, find out about my books there as well. All right. So you guys have your task item, uh, go to all of those websites. The link will be in your show notes. I know you're listening to this on your phone, so we're going to make it easy and just link it right there. And you're going to go click and follow Yvette. Thank you so much for joining us. And, um, I can't wait to go listen to all the new podcasts that we just talked about and uh, get that resource as well. Thanks so much, Paige. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us. If you liked what you were listening to, make sure you subscribe and hit those five stars and we'll catch you on the next episode.